0: Well, good morning, everyone. So good to be with you this morning. And as always, so good to have the privilege of sharing God's Word. And so encouraged just by that video. I hadn't seen that before. What a great story. And you'll see how some of these things weave together, the dynamics of people's lives and the goodness of God coming together to impact others. And I'm just so encouraged, before I even get into it this morning, by... How the Spirit does this choreography thing, where He speaks to many different people in many different ways, and yet it's the same message that He's trying to bring. And I'm not sure who chose the songs for this morning, but s- singing about being a temple. And, and I wasn't exactly sure what I was preaching about until the last 48 hours with the specifics, but you'll see how God's been at work there. Speaking about seeing that which is sour turn sweet one of the texts that I'm going to be referencing. God is at work and God is speaking to us. And I'm full of anticipation as Caleb started the meeting this morning for what God would want to say to us this morning. I recognize that for many, uh, today is the last Sunday before schools close. For us as a community, this is the last Sunday before Next Gen Ministries kind of uh, closed down for a season, Everybody gets a bit of a rest, and I'm trusting that whether we uh, do have a holiday planned, whether we are able to break from work or not, that this will be a word that sends us into this festive season, something that I feel like I've been brewing on over the last six weeks or so, even though I was still trying to distill it up until early this morning, brewing on. And I've been brewing on because I feel like this truth that we're going to be speaking about has has been informing and and animating and bringing life to my life and the, the perspective that I have around how I'm to live my life into the world around me, even in these unusual days, these extended COVID days. We all know that most of us are tired, ready for a break, Most people are ready to say goodbye to 2020 as a year and wave it farewell, right? Am I the only one? Yeah, there's a few others, I'm sure, I'm sure. You guys online, I trust that uh, this is resonating with you. But I believe it's exactly into this reality, into the reality of where we find ourselves, that God has been speaking to me and reassuring me of key things like identity, and promise, and purpose, and he's been speaking his truth, and helping me to see things a little bit differently, and so I'm hoping that I can cause us today to come and drink more deeply from this well that God is in our lives. Steve Rothkoll, he's a friend of mine. He pastors one of our advanced partner churches in, in Westville. And uh, he was chatting to myself and a few of the other uh, pastor leaders within the advanced network here in, in South Africa a couple of weeks ago. And he said this to us. He said, I feel like I've become a bit more of a sheepdog pastor over the last few months and less of a shepherd pastor. And he says, I feel like I'm snapping at the heels of my people. I feel like I'm saying, come on guys, come to church, come back everybody, time now. And I'm saying, make sure that you come at 9.30, don't just dial in later when you get back from the beach, and make sure you keep giving, and make sure you keep connecting, and don't give up on what God is saying right here, and don't dial out, and stay faithful to the community group you're a part of. Snap, 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 snap at people's heels. He said he feels like a sheepdog pastor, not a shepherd pastor. Man, as he said that, I went, that's a word. It's a word because God hasn't called us as pastors in the context of the church to be snapping at people's heels and trying to keep people away from the boundary lines of life and what they should and shouldn't do. No, God's called us as pastors to be those who lead others to the well, to lead others to the water. And so this morning, it's my great hope to pastor you, to shepherd you, And ultimately to bring all of us to the well that is Jesus Christ himself. I feel like this has been an apt description. And I apologize if I have been the sheepdog leader in your life. Why don't we just pray? Let's open up our hearts and our lives right where you are at home. Those of us in the venue. Maybe you want to say, come, come God. Come, God, into my life freshly. Give me me eyes to see as you see. May I recognize you freshly this morning for who you are. God, we do come to you. Our loving Father, we come to you. Christ, our leader and Lord, our Savior and King, we come to you. Holy Spirit, Life giving presence of the triune God, we come to you this morning and we say, Won't you come into our lives and cause us to be those that represent you? Cause us to be those that experience you, enjoy you, walk with you. And as always, we say, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. Won't your returning come quickly? We love you. We need you. We want to see you work in our lives. Come, Jesus. This morning, we're going to be looking at a rich and well-known passage of Scripture that I have preached on more than once. It's found in John chapter 7. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there or scroll there or flick there, however you want to get there. But we're going to read it, and then we're going to just unpack it, pretty much three little sections here. The context of this is that Jesus is moving about in Galilee, and he's teaching, and he finds himself in Galilee, and it's the last day of this Feast of Booths. Feast of Booths is one of the three big kind of gathering feasts within the Jewish tradition, right? Uh, Verse 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. I told you it's a well-known passage. I know I've preached on this. I've said but I feel like this has come alive to me in some new ways, some new ways that I'd love to share with you. And I, wanna, I want us to, to unpack it. And my hope is not just that it comes alive to you in the, thring, the thinking space, but that it would come alive to you in the drinking space. When we see Jesus saying here, come to me and drink, it's not come to me and better understand this text so that you can teach it to someone else very faithfully. No, there's an invitation in here for us to come and to be drinking of him. Let's be drinkers this morning. We're just going to work it through line by line. And the first thing w- which is good for us to, to notice here, it says on the last day of the feast, the great day. And I'm not going to get into the technicals about the feast and what the Feast of Booths was all about. But what I do want to draw your attention to is just consider, just consider what the, the last day of the feast, the great day. What that looks like when you think of Jesus standing up and speaking up. What does it look like? I'd imagine they're partying, right? These festivities, they're eating, they're drinking, they're being merry. Everyone's having a great time. They've all come in from the countryside. They're gathered together. They're celebrating. They're having a party. And into this context, Jesus stands up and speaks up. And he says, if anyone thirsts. If anyone thirsts. Can you imagine these guys saying, Jesus, I think you're missing the point here. We're partying. we got the drinks covered, right? I can imagine as he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And I can imagine one of the guys who's very keen on whatever they're drinking at the time going, ah, oh, he's going to do it again. This is the guy that turns water to wine. He's the guy that keeps the good stuff for last. Let's come to him. If anyone thirsts, comes to me. I'll hook you up with the good stuff. That's what someone's thinking, Right? It's my own interpretation. I came up with that yesterday. But I don't think that's what's really going on here, right? That's not what's really going on here. Jesus is catching them off guard. He's speaking into the middle of this context where they are feasting and eating and drinking and enjoying. And he stands up and he says, if you're thirsty, come to me. What are you saying, Jesus? What is this thirst that you speak of? And then looking into this a little bit, I found John Piper's kind of commentary on this thirst very helpful. He speaks about this thirst that Jesus is pointing out being at least three things. The first thing is that it is a deeper thirst. A deeper thirst. We all know that our souls can thirst, right? We know what it means for our bodies to thirst. No liquid. You've gone for a run. You're panting and you, your body is, is thirsting for water. But your soul can thirst. And he's drawing their attention to and he's trying to get them to think differently about the fact that they have a spiritual condition. And that condition is thirsty. Thirsty. Their souls do not have Christ. Do not have him. The second thing we can see about what Jesus says here is that this thirst is the only condition that is necessary for receiving Christ what Jesus has to give. It's free, we don't have to pay for it, we can just come and receive. This is good news in our COVID cash-strap reality, right? You may not have holiday plans, you may not be flush, but you can come and receive that which is so much more valuable from him. An endless fountain of goodness and grace, we can come and drink from him. The third thing that we see about this thirst is that Jesus wants to quench it. Jesus wants to quench our thirst. He says, come drink and be satisfied in me. Be satisfied in me. Right there in the middle of this feasting, in this drinking and eating and being merry, Jesus stands up and he speaks up and he pronounces to all of them that that will not satisfy. You will still have a thirst and Jesus alone is the answer no matter how much we drink and eat and be merry we're still going to thirst at a much deeper level if we do not come to the true fountain if we do not come to the true fountain and I think it's true for us today Jesus isn't condemning the festivities Jesus isn't saying don't go and have a holiday everyone No, he's saying, find me the true source in the festivities. He doesn't say all of these festivities are wrong. He says, no, no, no. If you are still finding yourself thirsting, I have an answer for you. And we, the people of God, are those who know this answer. And I would love to see us in this festive season, making sure that we recognize and we hear the standing up and the speaking up of God in our lives, welcoming us to come despite Everything else that we're enjoying still coming to him and drinking deeply. I hope we we get those good things. For this church, I hope for you, I hope for those of you at home, I trust that you do get a bit of rest, a good break. I trust that many of you will be able to see family members that you haven't been able to see this year. But I trust more than any of that, that we would come back into 2021 with our tanks filled up, ready to take on whatever 21 has to throw at us because we have tapped into the true source. We've heard Jesus standing up in the midst of our festive season saying, if anyone thirsts, come to me. And we've responded to that. Can I suggest that these holidays We should be Christian hedonists. Sounds fun, right? All I'm saying is let's not settle for less than the best. Let's be those who want to chase after the purest kind of pleasures. Let's be those who want to drink deeply from the the purest and most beautiful wells that life has to offer. And we know that it's in Christ himself. Let's not settle for anything less than the best. I wonder if your family is anything like our family. See, the truth is that in our family, we know. We know those with the unquenchable thirsts within our family, right? And they start early because it's five o'clock somewhere in the world, and they're heavy handed all throughout the day. We know who they are. Does your family know who the ones will be that stand up like Jesus and say, hey, If anyone really thirsts, I've got an answer. I've got an answer. I believe that we have life-giving words to bring to our extended families this festive season. May our families hear us standing up and speaking up tactfully, lovingly, just like Jesus. And pointing out that deeper thirst and pointing towards the answer that can quench that deep thirst. These are good I, uh, concepts for us to take into the festive season. And and let's really avoid the tendency and the temptation that we can find in the festive season to drink at other lesser wells. Let's not be those guys, right? Jeremiah the prophet Hears God speak to him, and he's grumbling. In Jeremiah 2 and verse 13, God tells the prophet what he holds against the Israelites in that moment. And he says this about them. And I would say, let it not be so with us this festive season. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And they have hewed out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no Water. Let's not be those guys. Let's come back in the new year with fresh reserves because we have not forsaken the fountain of living waters as we've chased after trying to hew other cisterns for ourselves. Jesus carries on. He says, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is saying that as we come to him and drink, something amazing happens. We don't just deal with the thirst. But also rivers of living water start to flow out of us. And it's, it's this concept of living waters that has so radically impacted my life over the last six weeks or so. And co- caused me to think differently in these dry COVID days. Hard times, desert-like times. of have so much pessimism and, and frustration and angst and pain for so many in this year. An understanding of living waters has served me so well and caused me to press into those living waters in, in new ways and to watch what is it that is flowing from my life in these times. We first re. Looked at this as a family. We have family devotion most weekday mornings. We all gather on the bed, sing a song of welcome. Then we uh, do a little bit of input, and more recently we started watching these these little five-minute Bible Project videos. And then we all pray together. And Kate rushes out with the kids, and I head into my office. But I want to show you this little four and a half-minute clip from the Bible Project. Really recommend this stuff to you. <laughs> You'll see why
1: it's one of the most deadly uninhabitable places on the planet. It's
2: dry. And where there's no water, there's no life. This is the picture that we get on page 2 of Genesis. The story begins with a dry and desolate wilderness. But God provides a spring in the desert that becomes a source of life for plants and animals.
1: And that's where God brings together a man and a woman so that humanity can flourish and
2: spread the life of the garden. Exactly. And that garden spring becomes a river that flows out to water the entire world. And there can be enough for everyone... It's all a gift from God. And this is great. Humans in a lush garden, but as it turns out, they find a way to ruin it. Right. Despite all of this water that God's provided, it's like they still have a drought deep inside of them. This is an image of the human condition, how we're always thirsty. For more. But more of what? Well, in this story, the humans want more wisdom to create more security and more control on their own terms. And tragically, it only leaves them more thirsty and suspicious of each other. And so they end up back in the wilderness. The humans have lost access to the water of life. And because of that, they can't spread God's life into the world. And so God needs to rescue them from the wilderness. Yeah, like in the story of Jacob. His selfish scheming ruined his family relationships, so he has to run from his problems out into the wilderness. But there he finds a well and he meets a woman. This is like Eden, a man and a woman together by a source of water. Right. And then through Jacob, God creates the family of Israel. And he invites them to share in his own life so that they can be his partners in spreading that life to others. And sometimes they do this.
1: But ultimately, they struggle with the same drought of the soul, thirsting for more
2: power more control, and it leads them down a path of violence and self-ruin. And so they find themselves in a new wilderness, captive to other nations. All this effort to quench our own thirst on our own terms, it's killing us. Yeah, the biblical prophet Ezekiel described Israel in exile as a pile of dry bones, scattered in a desert valley. But, he said, one day, God will pour out his own life presence, his spirit, to water the land, to create a new Eden and new kinds of humans. People who can spread God's life to others. Exactly. And so this brings us to the story of Jesus. Right. And there's a story about Jesus who goes to a well that Jacob used to own. And just like in Jacob's story, Jesus meets a woman. And he tells this woman that no matter how much water she drinks from this well, she'll always thirst for more. Then he offers water that could quench her thirst forever. He's not talking about the well water. No. What he's talking about is God's own life that comes through him to us to satisfy our deepest thirsts. This is why later on Jesus says, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. This is cool. But it's also a strange image, drinking from a person. Totally. And it's connected to another strange image we find in the story of Jesus' death on the cross. A Roman soldier thrusts a spear in Jesus' side, and there's blood. But also,
1: all this water flows out.
2: Yes, it's an image showing how Jesus' death is the fountain of life. From him, God's own love that would die for his enemies flows down and out into the world. After Jesus
1: was raised from the dead, we're told that he sends the spirit into his followers.
2: Yes, to fill them up with God's own life. This is why the Apostle Paul said that when we join the current of God's spirit, the fruit of Eden starts growing in us. Love and joy, patience and kindness, gentleness and self-control. People like that can create beautiful things in the world that bring life to others. Yes, like little streams of God's life that can come together and point forward to the beautiful scene that we find on the last page of the Bible. There's a
1: new river of life.
2: Yes, it's flowing out from God and into a renewed creation, bringing life to all wherever it goes.
0: Great little river of life, living waters, water of life. And I really, what I love about those little videos and why I'd recommend them to you is because we find there's something for everyone in there. And I walked away from this little quiet time and I found myself going on a search to understand this theme through Scripture a little bit more. And there's so much to it. When Jesus stood up and he said these words, people would have started to make connections to some of the things happening in different places in the Old Testament scriptures. Now listen, this concept is is something that that kind of gets pulled on in a few different places. And Ezekiel 47 is, is one place that just so powerfully paints this picture for us. See, God gives the prophet Ezekiel this uh, amazing vision and he, and he, he kind of follows this river. But where does the river come from? It's Ezekiel sees the temple. Ezekiel 47, and out of the temple trickles water. And as he follows the trickling of the water, it goes knee deep. And then, I mean, ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep. And then to the point where he can no longer stand. And, and, and we see that it then goes into the Dead Sea. And as this river goes into the Dead Sea, it turns the salty Dead Sea to pure, clean, good water. This is where the concept of living water comes from. These waters cause life wherever they go. Listen to this verse 12 from Ezekiel 47. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. Not in a COVID season, not in a dry season, not in a hard season. Their, Their fruit does not fail. But they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Flows from the very presence of God. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. This beautiful picture. Don't you just love it? This picture of this river bringing life, unfailing, unfaltering life and fruitfulness and leaves for healing. One Jewish commentator, he says this. He says, out of this arose the idea of living water. Or mayhem kahim, which refers to water in the form of rain or flowing from a natural spring which has come directly from God. Not carried by human hands or stored in cisterns, as kind of was their custom at the day to keep water fresh underground. It is also a contrast, the commentator says, a contrast to seawater, especially that of the Dead Sea, which looks so refreshing but is poisonous and makes the land around it barren. Isn't that powerful? Do you see that? Not like the Dead Sea. Looks good, but brings death. I wonder what, what, what might look good to us these holidays. And not yet bring life to us. I can remember always with a Bosch PM as a kind of students and young adults pastor. It was about this time in the year where we would have to to preach into making sure that you hold on to Jesus. And, and keep holiness a priority in your life. And don't compromise. Why did we do that always at this time of the year? Because year after year after year. Come January you had a whole bunch of students crying and repenting. For how they had gone to the dead seas of this world. And they had swum in the Dead Sea and then realized it does not give life. And I would say for us, let's not be those guys. Let's be those who drink from the true source. And here's the crazy thing about this text, right? Back in John 7, when, it, when Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow the rivers of living water. See, Jesus is referring back to this Ezekiel 47 picture of the temple and he's saying we are now the temple from which the water flows isn't that beautiful because we know 1 Corinthians 3:16 says do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you so now through us this vision becomes true the streams of living water Flow out from us, bring life to wherever the living water touches, turning that which is sour sweet, as we sung in the song this morning, causing that which is dead to come to life. This is so profound, it's so profound, and I trust that this penny drops, and I'm going to take a few more swings at hitting the Coke machine on the side here so that the penny drops for you. This is so profound. This answers questions of identity for us. Who am I? Yes, you're a son and you're a daughter, but in Christ, you are also the temple of the living God. God through which and from which his life wants to flow to the world around you. What about the questions of promise? What has God said he will do in our lives? He has promised that he will cause living waters to flow from us. Is that dependent on whether we're in a forest or a desert? No, it's not. Is that dependent on whether we're in a rainy land or a non-rainy land? No, it is not. God has promised that he will cause living waters to flow through us and those waters to bring life to others around us. What about the questions of purpose? Big questions. What am I meant to do with my one and only life? Well, if you're in Christ, the answer is here. Allow his life to flow through you and to cause life to be brought to others around you. In these difficult days, as I've seen so many people Becoming cynical and grumpy and disgruntled and frustrated and even angry with things not going our way this year. This concept has challenged me to my core. In my speech, is living water flowing. In my serving is living water flowing. To my family is living water flowing. To the staff that I work with is living water flowing. And as I think about these things, I know I can look back on the year and I need to apologize, guys. That's where I got it wrong. That was Dead Sea Dynamics right there. That was not living water flowing. I'm sorry. In my outlook on the world today, My optimism around what's happening in our world is living water flowing. And my finances, my generosity is living water flowing. Life, healing, and hope is all meant to be flowing from my life. I am not the life. Let's be clear. I am not the life. But the one who is the life now lives within me. And flows through me to the world around me. And how will they know unless I allow the flow to happen? I've been so encouraged watching living waters flowing from people's lives in this community through this season. Life-giving waters surrounding the extended Ryan family as they walk a very hard, life-threatening journey of cancer with Jono. Life-giving waters as we have seen people in our community coming alongside those who have lost jobs and income and are needing help to get through sacrificial giving and real genuine community. Life-giving waters flowing. Life-giving waters that have been flowing as people have exercised patience and kindness and they've lived in a peace through this long COVID extended season. Imagine, imagine if we all lived with this understanding. Is it just me that can see the difference that this could make in our world? Imagine if we all woke up every day and we said, today, to the dry lands of the people's lives around me, life. Today, to the barrenness around me, life. Today, to the dead seas around me, life. Today, to the cynical voices around me. Life, streams of living water flowing through us. How's this possible? Well, it's not possible because of us. It's possible because of him who we come to and him who now lives within us. See, when we come to Jesus for a drink, you don't get a drink, you get a fountain. You get a fountain and rivers of water flow from our souls. Why? Because the river maker is alive and at work within us. I don't know about you, but you don't have to look anywhere else ever. He can cause every needed river to flow in your life. Everyone, Louise, who is our uh, missionary pioneer in northern Kenya, the rivers of life can flow to your financial need. I know it can because the river maker is at work within you to those that are struggling, to those that are hurting. I know that the rivers of life can flow in your life because the river maker is at work within you. Yes, this has been a a hard year, but I've been so encouraged lately. Hard year, crazy rush at the end of the year that made me break all my suggested promises for how I was going to keep the slower pace in life maybe you can resonate, stretched on many fronts, big personal faith goals ahead of us. And yet when I look at all of those things and I look internally, I say it is still very well with my soul. Very well with my soul. Why? Why? Because there is a river maker at work within me. This is real. This is powerful. This is a lived experience. I'm not sure how people without Christ get through. I don't know how it's possible. How about you this morning? Have you experienced the river maker at work within you? Is there life splashing from your life onto others? Is the waters of grace and kindness, what others experience as the river goes past their lives. There's one more verse. Let's, let's look at that quickly together. Verse 39. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. It's interesting. In this verse, Jesus is calling them to come to himself But the very next, and come and drink, and the very next verse is he's speaking about the Spirit. Do we see what's happening there? The presence of God at work in us. Obviously, this is another great display of the mysterious triune nature of our our God. One, but yet three. But it's also speaking about the order of how these things happen. First, we come to Jesus. Jesus. We recognize him as leader, leader and, and Lord in our lives. We recognize him as king. And as we do that, the spirit comes to dwell within us. Jesus makes it clear later in this very book when he's saying, I'm going to ask the father to send the spirit. He, he says that he's also speaking of himself. He says this in John 14 verse 17. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, speaking of the spirit. And he says, you know him for he dwells with you. Here I am right now. But also one day he will be in you. In other words, I will be in you, says Jesus. Isn't that good news? That while Christ is no longer with us in the physical, we have the spirit of Christ living within us. And what's good news about that is he's as close as our thirst. We don't have to go to religious places, Mecca, Jerusalem, we don't even have to go on holiday to see the quench happen of our thirst. We are the temple in which He dwells. We are the temple from which He flows. And the fruit of the Spirit, I loved how in that video they just pick up on the fruit of the Spirit, just ever so lightly there. The fruit of the Spirit should be the fruit that we see coming from our lives. Coming from our lives and into the lives of others and impacting others. Christ flowing through us. These are the trees and the fruit that we should see beside the rivers of our life. Maybe excuse me for a moment while I just love on my wife. But I'm not sure I know of anyone who lives this more consistently and more naturally than my wife. Love. Joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, righteousness, self-control, and I forgot one, gentleness. Every day, in and out, and Kate hates it when I put her on the spot like this, so sorry, babe. But it's true, and my point is not to make much of her. I want to make much of the one who is at work within her, and I want to tell you how much good life that brings into our family how much that overrides the tendency towards selfishness in me because I see the fruit of her life at work in our family and it calls forth the river maker to be at work within my selfishness more and more and more and to bear the fruits that Christ desires to see. And I hadn't thought about this before, but before I land, just one last thing here. I wonder... If another way of quenching the spirit might be that we stop or block the living waters of the spirit of God from flowing through us to others. I regularly want to find myself praying that prayer. Spirit, how would you want to flow through me? Speak to me. Lead me. Guide me. Prompt me, allow your life-giving waters to flow to others around me. Spirit, where am I blocking the flow of life that you would want to bring through me? Is it in my words? Am I blocking the flow? Do I need to be more encouraging? Is it in my repentance, living in sin and I need to repent and bring it into the light? Stop blocking the flow of life. Is it in my forgiveness of someone that I'm blocking the flow of life, of flowing to that person? Is it in my generosity that I'm holding on too tight and I'm blocking the flow? God, won't you convict us where we may be quenching the spirit by blocking the flow of the rivers of life to others? What a prayer for us all to be praying. We don't have time for this. I'm going to call it there. But how else can we come to the waters of Christ and drink? Firstly, he just says, the big one, come. Just come. We're going to come to the communion table now, even though we don't have a table. But we're going to come. But if you want to do a little self-study, can I encourage you, just write this down. Do a self-study, Isaiah twelve three through 6. It actually says there how to draw water from the wells of salvation, and then it unpacks a bunch of things. I love them. The ones I love the most were giving thanks, calling on his name, making known what he has done, singing, recognizing that he is with us. These are all wells, uh, ways for us to come and drink from the well. It's a beautiful little study and it gives us such simple and yet very effective ways for us to do this. Let's pray together. God, this morning we we come to you. We come to you this morning because we recognize that you are the true well of life. We want to come because we know that there is a thirst, an unquenchable thirst. Yes, God, even when you live inside of us and the rivers flow from us, there is still a thirst for more of you because you are so wonderful and so beautiful and so other. We can't get enough, God. Our souls deeply long for you. And God, we just pray that in this moment, for those that are at home, for those of us that are in the room, we want to say, may we find you, the fountain maker, fully at work through this coming festive season. God, as we give ourselves to rest and a break, Father, won't you be the one who we find in the excesses of time and opportunity? May you be the one that we come to drink deeply from. May we say no to any dead sea dynamics in our lives this festive season. Those are not wells that are worth drinking from. They look so good, and yet they cause death all around. May we be those who tap into you, the living waters. Amen. Amen. One of the beautiful things about coming to um, communion is that We saw in that little video, a beautiful thing happens as Jesus gives his very life. As he gives his very life, we see he is pierced. And as he is pierced, his body broken. We see from that broken body flows blood and water. That water of life flows from His very side so that we may live because He is the temple. In that moment, He's the temple. He is God that has come to dwell with us. And as you pierce the temple, what do you get? You get life-giving water. As we look to the broken body of Christ today, I want to say, and I want to encourage you to pray a prayer, saying, God, I don't want to take for granted what you did upon the cross of Calvary for me, your pierced and broken body, the temple being shattered, and from it the waters of life flowing. I celebrate it. I thank you for it. I worship you today. Let's break bread together. body of Christ broken for you. us as your people in this world, an ever piercing world. God, may the people at work this week, as they bump into us, as they pierce our sides, may our families with whom there is friction who unknowingly or knowingly pierce our sides. May may the people who unintendedly hurt us, Lord God, in our lives, as they pierce our sides, may we represent you and from us, even in hard moments and moments of brokenness and devastation and other people's sin affecting our lives, may from us flow living waters just as they flowed from you, our King. Jesus, today we hold high the cup of salvation. We drink deeply from your blood that was shed for us. We say thank you for the purity and the life and the goodness that you imputed to us. And this double imputation of us receiving your sin and you placing upon us a righteousness which we do not deserve. We drink deeply today from the cup of salvation, the blood of Christ shed for you. God, as we interact with our worlds in this next week and this holiday season, may your life, may your peace, may your purity, may your goodness, which your blood so represents, may, Father, that be what people experience from us. We salute you, we honor you, we thank you, and we call you to be King Jesus and to be the river maker in our lives. In this next season, in your beautiful name, amen, amen.